I'm Emma G. Rose, author of Contemporary Fantasy and Mythological Weirdness. I'm Shelley Shearer, author of Urban Fantasies and Cozy Mysteries. Welcome to Indie Book Talk. Join us as we explore the expanding universe of indie books. Exciting things on the Indie Book Talk podcast today. We have Dave Baker, writer of A Ridiculous Number of Ridiculous Comics, and Nicole Goo with an X who is the artist of these ridiculous comics, and you missed the beautiful singing of Dave. So if you ever see him in person, convince him to sing for you. It's great. Um, welcome to the show, Nicole and Dave. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. It's honestly, uh, I don't even know that you'll have to ask me to sing. You're just like, you're just around for like 15 minutes and I'll, I'll do something dumb. I approve <laughs> Yeah, you can take the theater kid out of the theater, but it's really hard to take the theater out of the kid or whatever that saying is. <laughs> well, I mean, so now you're channeling this into comics. Is that is that what happened? Like you were a theater kid and then you were like, oh, crap, now I have to draw things. What, where's the transition? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I kind of I've always been like a just a. let's put it this way. My favorite X-Men is Cyclops. Mm-hmm. I'm always the leader. I'm always the guy that's like, we're going to go over the hill. We're going to do the things. Let's make a thing. Like I was always like putting on plays with my sisters for the kids in the neighborhood and making movies with our giant, you know, brick of a VHS recorder. Uh, and that just kind of extended to comics. You know, I feel like a lot of kids, they kind of grow up making little mini comics with their friends at lunch at school or whatever. And I just kind of never stopped. Um I just took it way too seriously and devoted my life to the art form and now have no money because there's no money in comedy. <laughs> so wait, Nicole, how did he suck you into this crazy world of um, comics? Suck me into it is a very accurate uh, description of how it happened. I was, I went to art school and after school I was pursuing editorial illustration and um had not really read comics regularly since I was a teen slash preteen. I read a lot of manga, um, but I never intended to be a comic artist. And Dave and I started hanging out. Um, we met through some friends and one day he asked me, Hey, do you want to make a comic with me? Cause he was doing this book called action hospital, which is kind of um, stories that he would write and then get other people to, draw for him about eight page stories. And I was like, I don't really think that's a thing I want to do. Um, <laughs> can be very convincing when he wants to be. And I had some free time. So we ended up uh, making that first comic. And then I just got kind of sucked into the world of it and discovered art comics and indie stuff and realized it's so much bigger than just um, American superhero stuff. Um, and I have never stopped making comics. Since so then. how long have you two been working together? I think it's going on seven wow. years. Oh, jeez, yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like that long. It feels no. like it was like last week that it was like, hey, you want to draw some funny papers? And, we, <laughs> and you were like, nah, I don't know. And I was like, what else are you doing? And then we just made that. Yeah, and we, we kind of like the other component of this too is like, um, we we started out really small, so we were just making like zines and. Yeah, you know, we made that eight-page comic for Action Hospital, which, um, you know, is the, a, like an ongoing web comic that I did for a while. Um, there's three three hundred page volumes of it. If you if it, oh my your goodness, interest. yeah, yeah. So there's a there's a lot of it. 
Um, and I draw a, a large percentage of it. Um, but there was also like, there was a certain point too, where we were, we were both kind of making mini comics and going to zine fests and just like touring around. And there's, there's kind of like a, a weird, like indie culture around touring comic book conventions and zine fests. So there was a couple, like two, three years, which honestly kind of only just stopped because of the pandemic, where we would go to numerous conventions every year, flying all over the country and sometimes all the world. Like we went to conventions in England and and we uh, and Canada, and you know, there was one year where we did like thirty five shows in a year, which you know that's like every other weekend basically. <laughs> it was brutal. Yeah, it really, it really is. So how do you do 35 shows in a year if there's no money in comics, as you say? Yes, that is the question, <laughs> isn't it? We, yeah. we put a lot of our own money into it initially, and we started with tons of really tiny local shows, you know, stuff where mm-hmm. you would be there for eight hours and get like three customers, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you drive a couple hours, you sit at behind a table. Um, and we did that first year, we just did everything we could possibly find. And then as we kind of got better at it, we kind of weeded out some of the smaller shows that just in terms of our personal time were not as worth it for us. Um, But we Mm -hmm. essentially didn't take any profits and still don't take any profits from the shows for ourselves at all. We take everything that we've earned at every show we've ever done and put it back into tables at new shows, plane tickets, printing books, those kinds of things. So we have a designated um, account where all that money goes in, and then that's just our pot for making shows happen. So, and it's worked out. It's worked out really well too because, like, Nicole got her Shadow of the Batgirl job for DC Comics, which to me is like, I mean, I feel like we won the lottery. Like, I'm like the proud comics <laughs> mom in the corner that's just like, <laughs> my baby did it. <laughs> like, you know, for for somebody maybe that's not in in the comics world, like working in those big companies, you know, that's the, is it really the be all end all? No, I don't think so. But there's a, there's a kind of brass ring or a, you know, getting knighted that is like you're worthy and uh, that comes from that culturally within the scene. And we, we only got that, you know, Nicole only, it's not we, I didn't do it. Nicole did it. Um, (laughs) Nicole only got that job because we were at so many conventions and we ran into this editor and the editor liked Nicole's work and they hit it off and one thing led to another. But if we hadn't been beating the pavement over and over again, that wouldn't have happened. And th- I mean, there's stuff like that that happened for me too, but I just, I feel like it's a big signifier to A, the quality of Nicole's work and B, her dedication more than anything. Like it's not even, most of this stuff, any creative field isn't really even about how good you are. It's just will you show up and do the the legwork, the boring work, the bullshit, you know, booking plane tickets at 2 a.m. kind of stuff. <laughs> but as part of all that traveling, how do you guys find time to create? That is a lot of, like, traveling and legwork and then still having to put out product. I mean, it's, it's tough, especially Dave has a full-time job. And while we were um, doing more traveling, I had a couple part-time jobs. Um, and, you know when you're going somewhere every other week or at least once a month, we were taking, you know, plane trips to other places for shows. It's really hard to squeeze that stuff in. And especially when I was working on Batgirl, you know, I had deadlines. 
previous to that, we were doing almost everything self-published. So any deadlines were self-imposed. And if we needed to take some time to do a show, that was fine. But when you have external deadlines, when you're working for these bigger companies, it's a little harder to squeeze that stuff in. I'm someone who is criminally on time for everything always. Um, And it makes me crazy to not be. And so I will usually in that case, just work extra hard the week before to get everything done. But um, it takes a lot of time management skills to make sure you're kind of on point. Now, a lot of artists, you know, we're kind of known for not turning things in on time and not being good communicators and that kind of stuff. But if you are, it makes you stand out. <laughs> now that you've all shown that you can get the stuff done and you're on time, are you still going to keep that kind of hectic schedule up once travel resumes? I don't know, man. I, it's so hard. It's honestly, it's it's not even the schedule aspect of it. It's it's a lot of energy. No, it's not even that for me. I I it's is the pandemic like shit. Like I'm like low key. Like I don't know if this is as over as everybody thinks it is. Like I hope it is. You know, like I'm, you know, I'm I'm optimistic. I I'm just a little maybe more cautious than the average bird, maybe. Well, there, there's some shows opening up again at the end of the year, and Dave and I have communally decided that we're just not going to do anything at least until next year. So, what are you? What are you? Have you been doing with your vast amounts of non-travel time in the last year? Um, making stuff. Dave and I, um, for the last year, have been working on a book called Forest Hills Bootleg Society, which is about some high school girls, a group of high school girls who go to a private school in the middle of nowhere, California, and they start selling bootleg um, hentai DVDs to their classmates. This is like <laughs> 2006. Um, and so that is getting put out through Simon and Schuster next year. And so I've been, I've spent my almost my entire year working on that and some personal projects and stuff. Yeah. Same for me. I've been, I've been working on some TV stuff and uh, and uh, comic stuff and just juggling a bunch of projects. I wrote a Star Trek miniseries. I uh, I am drawing a book that I wrote right now. I am writing another book for Dark Horse and uh, working on a couple new pitches with Nicole. So it's it's like you know ways to fill the time. <laughs> yeah, there's there's I mean I'm a like I'm a I'm a fucking comics dude. So there's just like you know I'm I'm hopefully I live longer, but you know, I'm probably going to go out like Shitaro Ishinomori, man. I'm going to be like 52 and just fucking die of an aneurysm or some shit, you know, like comics man. people don't live that long. Yeah. They, they just don't live that long. You know, it's like, it's like hardwired into you to just like work yourself to death. That's not a good thing. I'm not advocating for that. I'm just saying like, it's kind of a thing, you know, our lawyers wish us to advise you that working yourself to death is not recommended, nor do we endorse it. Yeah, no, I completely agree. <laughs> I 100% completely agree, but you know the 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 uh, fatal cocktail of late stage capitalism and the comic book industry being run by fucking gangsters is just a hell of a thing. <laughs> Tell me what you really feel, Dave. And this is why you're indie. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So, okay, let's say you're going to go back in time. You're 15 years old drawing comics when you're supposed to be studying, but you now goes back in time to then. Do you tell the kid, go get another job? Or do you tell the kid, hells yeah, we're doing this, let's go? Yeah, I don't, I don't, hmm, interesting. I don't think it would change me either way. I think if, I think if the, I think if old man Baker came back and was like, don't do it, comics will break your heart. I'd be like, yeah, I know. I've read the Kirby biography by Mark Evanier. I know. And then I'd keep drawing. 
for better nice. or for, for better or for worse i'm i'm uh pretty i'm a pretty stubborn person when once i put my mind to something there's there's not much that can keep me even even a time traveling bearded version of myself bearded <laughs> Well, in this, come on, in this version of it, <laughs> in this version of it, if I'm, if I'm like from the future, yeah, I, I'm going to have a sweet ass silver fox, you know, uh, uh, Anderson <laughs> Cooper beard. It's going to be great. The beard. Yes. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Oh, if it's mirror universe, it has to be a goatee. It's a goatee and it's a sash. I'm going to just yeah. be wearing yes. a fucking sash. See, well, that's why you don't change your opinion because, like, clearly that dude is evil. He has a goatee. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can't listen to that guy. He's from the mirror universe. Clearly. Yeah. What about you, Nicole? What if you could go back, Nicole, and tell yourself before Dave got to you with these comic things, like, hey, man, don't do it. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, there. Comics is a hard place to live. It definitely is. Um, but before I found it and before I figured out, you know, this was what I wanted to do, I was really lacking in direction. Like I knew I wanted to draw for work since I was like two. I've always drawn. Um, but I didn't really know what I wanted to do with that. And like every kind of avenue I thought I fit into, I would get there and be like, I don't know if this is what I want. Like I just want to make what I want to make. And I don't know where that fits in, in terms of like actually making a living. And while it's hard to make a living doing this, I have so much more direction and I know what I want and I know what I want to make in a way I never did before I had comics. And so, no, I would never tell myself not to do it. A sign of a a happy career then. Yeah. I mean, mean, for me, it's more kind of like, uh, I think I would almost go back and say the opposite where like for me comics is almost like a monastic devotion um (laughs) it's it really is like the closest thing i have to a religion it's a it's a standard that i believe in it's an identity it's a it's a way of life it's a it's something that i consider to be the literally the greatest art form in the history of mankind and i have been through so many periods, especially as a late teen, early 20 something, trying to get my shit together, trying to figure out how to break in, trying to figure out the process by which to make work that I was satisfied with. Um, you know, there were, there were a lot of sleepless nights and a lot of anxiety and a lot of frustration and a lot of creative partnerships that fell by the wayside or personal relationships that fell by the wayside. And I would say if I was traveling back in time to, you know, nine-year-old me who was obsessed with Tintin to the point where it was unhealthy, um, <laughs> I would be like, it's it's okay, man. Like, you're going to figure it out. It's going to be okay. Like, you don't have to, like, you know, self-flagellize yourself at the at the, the, the desire to live up to Jack Kirby's legacy. Like, you'll, you'll be all right. You might not be Jack Kirby, but you'll figure it out. You're going to have your, you're going to have your little place in the scene. Like, that's kind of all I really wanted. Like, as a kid... And even up until the last, like, you know, whatever, six years, seven years, however long Nicole and I have been making stuff together, all I wanted was to be a guy in the scene. I just wanted to be somebody with a body of work that in 50 years there would be, like, a weird, you know, art history book made about the comics scene in North America. And you would be able to see me at the back of some party, (laughs) you know? And somebody would be like, oh, look, wow, I didn't know Dave Baker was friends with insert comics creator here who had, you know, a much more significant career. Like, that's the kind of stuff that I love. 
you know, I, I love like the Fanagraphics book, We Told You So, or, you know, uh, like the, the, the James Warren Empire of Monsters book by, by uh, Robert Shelley. Like that, those kind of like comics history nonfiction books where you're like, what the fuck? Mark Wade was like a sales representative and, and an editor at Fanagraphics in the late 90s. That's so weird. Like that's 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 the shit that makes me really excited. And being somebody that puts out a body of work that reflects who I am and hopefully maybe connects with another person. That's all I really want. Cool. So what would you say is outside of your own? What is your favorite comic right now? Uh, like something that's being actively published or just period actively published. Let's go with that. Uh, the thing that I'm currently reading, uh, I don't know if it's my favorite, but it's definitely an interesting piece is the, uh, Barry Windsor Smith monsters book that he's, it, it just got published. It took him 25 years to make, uh, and, uh, it's kind of, it's like 600 pages long and it's low key about a kid who enlists in the military and then is kind of hornswoggled into this, into this, into this weird black site facility where he's experimented on. And so far I'm like a hundred pages in. Most of it is about the guy who helped him enlist being really guilty. <laughs> it's just like a hundred pages of this guy being like, I shouldn't have done that. That was not cool, bro. Dude, I am so sorry. <laughs> Yeah, but it's 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 interesting just to see, you know, one of those kind of like mainstream big two creators from the 80s trying to make something that's a little bit more literary, but still being almost like fatally trapped in genre and the visual language of mainstream comics, which is an interesting tension to me. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. Nicole, what about you? Um, it's, it's funny because... Um, we just went to the shop for the first time or I went to the shop for the first time in over a year um, because of pandemic. I was just too afraid to go in anywhere and I got a couple comics and it was so nice to be back in a shop. Um, and I only picked up a couple things. So most of the stuff I've been reading lately has been, um, you know, longer stuff like that. And not all of which is maybe even that new, um, but I just read the first volume of, which had Atelier, which was mind-blowingly beautiful. And um, there's this French book called Géant, which um, is by Nuria Tamarit. And I'm only about halfway through that because my French isn't very good. <laughs> but um, that book, I don't know if you've ever seen her work, but the way that she stylizes form is just so beautiful and interesting to me. And the story is this like sweet kind of it's almost fairy tale like about a, a giant baby who gets adopted by this family and her kind of like path of that. And like a literal, like a literal giant baby. Yeah, like <laughs> she's the baby of giants, um, and this like woodcutter's family, a man and wife, adopt her, and she has seven brothers and blah blah blah, and has all these kind of like fairy tale tropes in it. But I love that work is beautiful. Um, her colors are beautiful. The way she draws is just like so interesting and so different from anything else that's kind of out there right now, at least in these um, uh, kind of circles that we usually talk about in the American market. That's so that's in French. Yeah, it's in French. The, let me see if I can find the publisher is. I'm just in, impressed you're reading comic books in French. Cause oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mostly buy them just to look at the art. I do 
read some French. This is mostly like it's kind of young languagey because it's um, it, it seems like it might be for kids, sort of, even though there's nudity and stuff because it's French. Yeah, well. <laughs> but um, my my French, uh, my understanding of French is embarrassingly low for the amount of French classes <laughs> I've taken in times of France. <laughs> but I do read a little bit, so like I can do it with a dictionary next to me or kind of get most of the idea of what's happening. But I I really bought it for the pictures. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> well, and that's a really one of the beautiful things about comic books. I think is a lot of kids, especially who aren't comfortable with a novel yet, or maybe ever can find that entry point into story Mm -hmm. by having that combination of picture and, and story. And they're not limited to like, you know, C spot run, like really complex stories are told in comic book form. Yeah. And like, I could probably get by mostly by just looking at the pictures if I needed to, but I get more with my like base level amount of French. And it's, I think it's like that for a lot of kids, even in their native languages, you know, of like, if you're having trouble learning, the combination of both the images and the words together is going to help you figure out how to do that. So PSA, grownups, buy your kids comic books. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the only way I can get my teen to read. There you go. (laughs) So let me kind of bring us back around here to, I know you have something coming out now or soonish. Yes, yeah. Uh, Tell us about that. Yeah, so Nicole and I have a book coming out through Dark Horse Comics. Um, June 16th in comic book stores and June 29th in bookstores uh, called Everyone is Tulip and it is a, uh, a comic graphic novel 100 and, 160 some odd pages um, I wrote it, Nicole drew it and it's about and, and it was colored by uh, the wonderful colorist Ellie Hall and it's about a young actor uh, from Arizona who's kind of not satisfied with her life there, moves to Los Angeles with the hopes of making it big in the Hollywood system, uh, and life doesn't necessarily pan out the way she expects. Um, she gets kind of sucked up into this, this high-stakes world of viral fame when she takes a job playing a character in a, in a series of YouTube performance art videos. And this is a real thing. There are people who really do this, and our book is loosely based on a few of their lives kind of shoved together. And uh, so our, our book is about this kind of triangle of characters. The, the main character is the actor girl. The kind of antagonist is this producer-director guy who makes these videos. It's kind of this, um, it's this story about, uh, you know, trying to live in Los Angeles and, and trying to accomplish something. And then maybe when you do accomplish that thing, it's Maybe not necessarily what you expected or you're forced to reckon with questions that you weren't anticipating, like how far are you willing to go to in order to achieve that or how far are you willing to go to maintain that continued success or you know, what are you willing to compromise in order to keep what you've accrued in air quotes. And uh, yeah, Nicole's artwork is amazing. And I feel like talking about the story doesn't do any of it justice because it kind of sounds like a normal thing. But looking at the book, I think it's very apparent that it is, I feel like it's pretty unusual and uh, unique and there aren't a lot of comics in that space. I have seen it and I have to say it is beautiful. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, I am not responsible for how it looks at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Nicole and your colorist both did beautiful jobs. I do. I think 
I was just kind of, it was one of those things where I looked at it for a while before I even tried to read anything. Cause I was like, oh, I just have to kind of drink this in. Now, if people want to uh, keep up with both of you and what you're up to, where can they find you on the interwebs? Um, you can find me at heydavebaker.com or on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter at xdavebakerx. Um, I also have a podcast where I do like weird deep dive explainers about obscure topics. We did one about um, the rise and fall of Napster, and we did it. Uh, <laughs> we, we believe it or not, we did awesome. it. We did it as a two and a half hour musical where there's eleven original okay. songs. Uh-huh. Wait, wait, do you sing? Yeah, okay. yeah, I sing. Oh, okay, so guys, 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 turn off this podcast. Go listen to that one. It's gonna be great. <laughs> It's called Deep Cuts. You can find it wherever podcasts are available, Spotify, Apple Music, any of that stuff, or deepcutspod.com will take you wherever you need to go. And uh, yeah, Nicole. Uh, yeah, mine's pretty easy as well. It's just my website is nicolegoo.com. Uh, my Instagram is at ngoo, and my Twitter is at nicolegoo. Last name spelled G-O-U-X. I know it's tricky. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So everyone, yeah, if, if anyone's left and hasn't gone off to listen to Dave saying, we're so excited that Dave and Nicole could be here, go pick up Everyone is Tulip. And yeah, I'm, I'm so excited. I don't even, I don't even have any more words. I'm, I'm done. I'm done. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. And Emma, we're never doing a musical version. Ah, <laughs> oh, why? The musical episode of Buffy was the best episode. Valid. I mean, I'm sure Dave would come on and sing for you if you wanted. <gasps> come on! <laughs>